1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece I hope you'll enjoy from my friend, Dennis Prager. My distinguished guest is Douglas Carswell, who was a member... Hello. Hello, how do you do, sir? How,
2: how are you? Greetings from London,
1: UK. Yeah. England. <laughs> that's right. You see, we in America we don't have uh, we don't have uh, this uh, trinitarian identity. It's pretty much just American. Although they're trying
2: no, are to you, are, go
1: on. I'm sorry.
2: Are you not also uh, a Californian and a Los Angeleser?
1: Uh? Yeah, but I.
2: And, and all the times I've
1: been interviewed, not once did they ever say Californian, Dennis Prager. It's it's just, <laughs> but nevertheless, your point is well taken. Anyway, let me properly introduce you because I'm really delighted to have you on, Douglas Carswell. Thank you for having. Me. Thank you has been a member of the uh, British Parliament until 2017, which uh, and I'm I'm still puzzled as to why you left, but I will go we'll get to that in a moment. I am having him on for two reasons. One is his book, uh, so he's one of these uh, very thoughtful public figures. And he's written a very interesting book titled Progress vs. Parasites, a brief history of the conflict that has shaped our world. And the conflict is essentially elites that want to control societies. And he, he shows how it's true from the ancient world to today. We'll get to that in a moment. And the other reason is you are a British leader in Brexit, the British exiting from the european union and i want to talk to you about that let me talk to you about the book for a moment i always ask an author and i would say that um we have a saying in america based on baseball uh the the batting average of authors on this is not been high uh, it's interesting to me it's a it's a theory i have why can't authors summarize their thesis uh, in, in a way that makes their book uh, truly understandable, and then people want to get it. So I often end up doing it for the author. But having uh, thereby uh, <laughs> made a rough passage for you uh, possible, uh, what, what is the thesis of your book?
2: The world is getting better. Um, I show why it's getting better, but I also explain why the world only started getting really great two, three hundred years ago. Actually, for most of humankind, life's been pretty grim, pretty miserable because we've been run by small parasitic elites. And if we want the progress to continue, we've got to identify the parasitic elites and put them back in their box. Was that short enough?
1: Yeah, that was excellent. By the way, you were uh, just the transmission on the phone was clearer at the very beginning than now. Did you change anything?
2: No, no I okay uh, all right, right.
1: Th- all right fair enough Parasitic moved. elites that's the key uh, on this question of the world getting better I there's no question that what you say is true but it's a very complex uh, question for example in the last 200 years you say the world is getting better and yet the last century the 20th century, was the uh, arguably the most monstrous uh, century in human history? Uh, Hundred million people. I'm talking civilians, not not uh, even war deaths slaughtered overwhelmingly by communists, but of course by Nazis. So, what
2: so, is it what so does it, so does it like mean? Come back on that. There was a lot of horrific murder and tyranny and industrial scale conflict in the 20th century. But despite that, actually, if you had lived in any previous century, you would have had a higher chance of dying as a result of homicide than you would in the 20th century. Despite all the killing that went on, actually, societies and Steve Pinker's book is is very good on this. Um, It shows that actually Homicide rates have come down. The rate of violence has come down. I know it didn't look like that. In, 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 you know, I, I recently returned with my family from a holiday in Normandy, and we, we paid our respects to the cemetery at Omaha Beach. It certainly didn't feel that way in the 1940s, but actually the 20th century was more peaceful than previous centuries, and the 21st century so far is, is more peaceful yet. Um, I would argue that actually in the past 20 or 30 years, a lot of these improvements have become exponential. Wars, despite the horrific images we see from Syria, actually uh, your chances of being killed as a result of conflict in 2018, 2019, uh, are lower than almost any period in human history. Um, homicide rates are falling, and at the same time, people are better off. Um, our standard of living in the West is high, but also China. China in 1950 was as poor as China had been the year Jesus was born, 2,000 years before. And yet in the past 30 years, China has um, caught up or is in the process of catching up. More, More wealth has been created in China in the past 40 years than in the entire period from the birth of Jesus to the death of Chairman Mao. It's quite an extraordinary achievement.
1: Would you ascribe that to capitalism?
2: Absolutely. To free exchange. China in 1978 did what the Dutch started doing in the 17th century, the Brits in the 18th, the Americans in the 19th. It allowed the productive free reign. Um, in 1978, Deng Xiaoping allowed the communists to rule in name, but actually to, to, to take a step back. There was a, a program of decentralization. Um, China became capitalist in, from 78 onwards, and that's why it's taken off. And, India and Indonesia and some of the Asian giants have have followed suit, and so they're catching up. They're starting out where the Dutch and the English began two, three hundred years ago. And even a country like Ethiopia, I remember in the 1980s growing up watching pictures of Ethiopia with famine. That was a man-made catastrophe caused by communists. Since the turn of this century, since the millennium, Ethiopia has been the second fastest growing economy on the planet. It's doing incredibly well. It's got a middle class. It's going to have a, a very prosperous future. Um, I, I, I think that actually the story, of a, the, the, the really significant news of our age is, is, is how the world is getting better. And yet, when you look at the mainstream media, when you look at the broadcast establishment media, they're full of pessimism. They're full of bad news. Um, but actually, the really significant story is, is how human progress is becoming ubiquitous. Pretty much everywhere that isn't socialist is doing well. How do you explain
1: then, in light of that, every word of which I agree with, that about half of young Americans, called millennials, think that capitalism is evil?
2: Do you know, I've been pondering this long and hard, and I'm a big fan of PragerU, and I watch a lot of your content. And I think, with the exception of PragerU and a, a few other organizations, it's because people like me who believe in the free market, we've been incredibly bad at making the case. I recently went and watched on Amazon Prime um, Milton Friedman's episode, Free to Choose, and it, it, it's no exaggeration to say it changed the way people in Britain and America and around the world thought. We need to do what Milton Friedman did 30, 40 years ago. We need to make the moral case for capitalism. We've not done that. And I, I think you know, there are problems with our capitalist system. It's, it's not a perfect capitalist system. It's a crony capitalist system. Here in Britain, for example. Um, big banks are allowed to take risks and socialize their losses that's not free market capitalism and yet capitalism gets the blame here in Britain young people struggle to find enough money to buy a house because you've got these incredibly restrictive rules on where you can build houses they blame capitalism but it's actually socialism that's preventing them from being able to buy a house so we need to reform capitalism um, and I, I think we need to be much better at making the case for the free market we certainly do so now, uh,
1: why did you leave the uh, Why did you leave the British Parliament?
2: I went into politics because I believed that Britain should leave the European Union. That was my absolute overarching goal. I, I, I didn't like being a politician. I didn't want to parasite off the taxpayer um, in a government institution, um, presiding over bureaucracy. I, I found it a very suffocating environment to be in. I went in there to get us out of the EU. I helped secure a referendum, I helped set up the team that won the referendum, I, I, I paid a small part in, in doing that, and when we won the referendum, I quit. Um, perhaps, looking back, I was a little bit too trusting of uh, um, Theresa May, the uh, Prime Minister who took over, um, but um, I'm very much hoping that Boris now uh, gets us over the line and we leave the EU so I don't have to come back to politics. But um, I enjoyed being a member of parliament, but I was only there for one thing, and that was to get my country, to do, to do for my country in 20... You
1: so see, 20, here's 19, the irony. In- the irony, sir, is that people like you are exactly whom we need in politics, people who don't want to be there. This is... Uh, <laughs> no, no, I feel it very personally, because I have, I have zero desire to be in politics, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm happy that there are good people who are in it, I, I salute them. I have zero desire to be in it. And I'm exactly the type who should be in it because of that. But I'm not in it. And same with you. Well, it, it,
2: I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer in term limits. And I, I got elected four times. Um, but, you know, the, the the problem is that you get a lot of people in politics who see it as a career. They, they're there for the ego. They're there because maybe they just have the psychology that they want to bully people and tell them how to live their lives. And we need to find a way of, of keeping them out and uh, making life in politics tough so that people don't stay there forever. They go there to do something rather than to.
1: Well, all and, right. So uh, this brings me to things. your book. Okay. So you're, you made the case that the world is better than it, than it has ever been. Uh, Liz, yep. our chances of being uh, murdered, for example, are less than, than ever in history. Fine. Uh, So, yet your book is not just a history book, it is a warning, I presume, against the parasitical elites, because they exist, at least, I I can't speak for your country, in my country, parasitical elite is almost redundant.
2: Well, the, the struggle against small elites rigging society for their own benefit, it's unending. There was a time, if we'd been having this conversation in the late Roman Republic, we would have thought that progress was inevitable, that it was the natural state of affairs. If you had lived in Venice in the Middle Ages, you would have thought that life kept on getting better from one generation to the next. But actually, these periods of human progress in the past have been fleeting. They've lasted a few generations and been snuffed out. Why? Because small elites came along and rigged society for their own advantage. Now, America's got the great advantage that your founding fathers, had looked back to the Roman experience, they built a senate and a capital on the banks of the Potomac. They they learnt from history. They saw tyranny coming. They saw oligarchs and elites coming, and they guarded against them with a an extraordinary constitution. But um, you know, my country doesn't have the privilege of a great constitution. Um, our, our struggle to ensure that small powerful elites don't take over is is is, is never-ending. We we you know we, we were four thousand votes away at the last election from having jeremy corbyn a socialist some might describe him as a communist as prime minister this it's an it's a it's a never-ending struggle to make sure that these small elites don't take over
1: exactly so there we have to juggle at least two balls the ball of yes things are better but the, the other ball is things may get worse
2: Yeah, I I think in order to avoid complacency, we have to understand that there has been extraordinary progress, but human progress is very fragile. Uh, You shouldn't assume that it's the natural condition. On the contrary, um, poverty um, is the natural human condition, the default condition. Um, To say that the world is getting better and that we should appreciate it more is not an invitation to become complacent. It's actually an invitation to understand what, previous generations of Brits and Americans understood, which is that and I quote Thatcher, you're never more than one generation away from tyranny Um, and I feel that is true today as never before. There are people in my country today who are conspiring with foreign powers to overturn a referendum result so that most of our laws will be made by people we don't elect so that we have no control over our trade policy and so that we're governed as a state, as a province of a European super state. And you know, this is this is this is the measure of what we're up against. That's exactly right. Do you know? I
1: I think things in some ways are worse in Britain, and they're they're really uh, precarious here in America. I uh, I read every day almost another example of the suppression of free speech in in uh, in the UK, which astounds yeah. me. It, it it is it's it's yeah. breathtaking.
2: Can I give you the latest example from yesterday? Please. There is a there is a body here called the Advertising Standards Authority which has taken it upon itself to veto advertisements if it doesn't like them. It vetoed yesterday a car advertisement because it featured a woman with a pram. And a woman with a pram is regarded as gender stereotyping. In other words, in Britain in twenty nineteen, if you show a mum pushing a pram in an ad, you will now be banned. Advertisements in Britain now have to be little lectures in wokeness little lectures and telling us that we're all the same and the gender differences don't exist. This is the extent of the problem. It is deep, it's ingrained, and it's critical we respond to it.
1: By the way, here we would call it a baby carriage. That I hope every one of you heard that. Hello, my friends. We go back to London. Douglas Carswell, former member of the British Parliament and thinker. He prefers thinking and writing. Is that what you do? Do you write full-time? Are you in
2: business? What 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 sustains you? I actually set up a data company after politics, um, and I try and add value to companies who are trying to, um, well, instead of handing over a lot of advertising budget for little return, I, I try and make sure they use data to find the people interested in buying their products. It's a, an extension of what I learned to do in politics.
1: All right. I was just curious, and is, is this uh, the book, Progress Versus Parasites? Is this your first book?
2: No, I, I wrote a book about, um, called The End of Politics and the Birth of iDemocracy in 2012, where I talked about how the Internet, I thought, was going to profoundly change the way that politics was done. Um, and before then, I, I wrote a book with uh, Daniel Hannan called The Plan, where we set out um, the things we needed to do to get Britain out of the EU, um, at the time i remember someone discuss, described that one as a a, a a fantasy but um it's not fiction it's it's coming true <laughs> well that's the
1: hope that it does so i want to return yeah. to the what is happening in, in the uk and you said just I, I knew of the example that you cited there was uh there was another one too let's see uh Volks was that the volkswagen ad
2: there was a volkswagen ad where a woman was shown with a pram, which was deemed to be offensive. Um, and there was another one um, that was banned for selling cheese, because two dads were shown in the commercial looking after children. Presumably, the regulators felt that the fathers looking after the children weren't doing so in a, uh, a non-gender stereotypical way. So they they banned both advertisements. It's, it's um, an extraordinary uh, thing to reflect, that in Britain in 2019, a, a, a small commission, a group of commissars, can decide whether or not... So, I, oh wait, or But I don't understand.
1: You know, the Conservatives are in power. How could this exist?
2: The Conservatives in this country have been in office for many years. They haven't been in power since November 1990, when Margaret Thatcher was uh, thrown out of office by people in her own party. I'm hoping that Boris Johnson is um, the first... I, I, I think it looks as if he may be the first Conservative ruler this country's had since November 1990. He's certainly off to a a promising start. And um, I I I think for most of my adult life, we've seen center-right politicians promising to rein back these officials and cut taxes and all the rest of it when they want votes. And when they're in office, they're no different to Tony Blair. They're no different to Bill Clinton. And I, I think this is the fundamental problem we have in this country.
1: Well, uh, weak conservatives are useless, and uh, we've had that. Uh, f- the, the, the hatred of Donald Trump is that he's not a weak conservative. That's that's really what it, they, they don't they don't really uh, care about the the weak conservatives. But I, I still want to understand why is this allowed? That you could ban an ad because it shows a woman with a baby carriage. I I. I wh- wh- do, part, part do, wait, 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 wait! Forgive me. Said, I, I just, I just have to ask you, do you: if this were put up for a referendum in Britain, how would the vote go?
2: Oh, I mean, the the elites are out of touch with the population, and if you had direct democracy or any measure of democratic accountability, the lunatic regulators that preside over this would find themselves out of work and out of employment with, with within five minutes. the the The, the problem would. The situation in Britain is that we had our revolution 100 years too early. So you guys, when you had your revolution, your founding fathers created a Supreme Court which gave guarantees that people could express themselves. You had uh, measures to guarantee freedom of speech, freedom of expression in your your constitution, in the Bill of Rights. We didn't. And as a consequence of that, we are much more vulnerable to self-important elites who try to Regulate and run society. It's bad enough in America, but it's a lot worse over here. Having said that, I, I think we're starting to see a, a, a almost a sort of a a, 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 a reformation. We're starting to see because of digital technology, because of the ability of people to form opinions without the say so of the elites. I think we're starting to see people understand what's going on. And we're starting to see them react against it. So I'm I'm an optimist. I think, I think the days when big government can do these sorts of things is coming to an end. But boy, um, they haven't got that memo yet.
1: Well, sir, I hope your optimism is uh, is uh, comes to fruition. People like you will at least make it possible. Douglas Carswell's book, Progress versus Parasites, up at dennisprager.com. I hope when we come to London, uh, we'll get a chance to meet. I'd love to.